Welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of Small Scale City. Up until last summer, I had no idea what a food forest was. Was the forest made of food? Kind of. Did it grow by itself? It certainly can. Do you need to have an actual forest to grow the food? Not at all. In fact, there was a food forest being grown close to my home located in a suburb just outside of Portland, Oregon. Winslow Food Forest is located in the city of Portland, barely. Across the street from the farm is the city of Milwaukee, Oregon. But that's another story. Just as fall started to settle in, I got to tour the food forest. It was amazing. There was no neat rows of crops, no tilling. Basically, it was a hodgepodge of herbs, fruit trees, and vegetables planted to sustain themselves. Listen in as farmer and owner Melissa Cullen explains how she and her husband Teague discovered gardening, set up the land, what they have in store, and how a food forest works. Thanks for listening. Teague and I started dating, and our gardening just kind of exploded. And we 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 took out all the traditional rows of vegetables in Teague's backyard and planted a polyculture. So a polyculture is basically if you think of like a monoculture being one species of plant, right? One one plant growing in a big field is a monoculture of, you know, say a big field of corn. And a polyculture is going to be more resembling a, a community of plants. It's going to be multiple plants working together in um, a symbiotic relationship that, that forms there. And they all play different roles, like the same way that a forest ecosystem would, would thrive together. Um, with all the different plants um, filling in different niches and some grow at different heights and some grow along the ground and some are fertilizers and some draw pollinators to the garden and others are used to, to, to make mulch. And there's, if you walk through a forest, all that's happening on its own, if it's a healthy forest ecosystem. Um, and so that's kind of the intention behind food forestry is, is mimicking an, a forest ecosystem and or a woodland ecosystem, really, um, and and ha- setting intention with the plants that you place and the way the way that you plant them so that they form relationships with each other. And um, so we started thinking, you know, how can we how can we start our farm? We wanted to start a farm after we started started dating and kind of realized we had these similar passions for plants and stuff. And so we came up with the idea, Teague actually came up with the idea of starting a plant start CSA. And what that was, was we scrounged together the materials off Craigslist to build a six by 12 greenhouse in our backyard. (laughs) And we filled it with plant starts. We got, got a little bit of money together, bought some seeds. I don't know. We probably started our whole farm off with like maybe... $200 $200 worth of input. <laughs> we got our little greenhouse, we got our seeds, we got our got some soil, got our pot, and we signed people up for a plant start CSA. And so we let people order what they wanted to grow in their backyard. And we did start out with annuals at this time. This didn't really have a whole lot to do with food forestry at first. And we just wanted to help people grow food. And so we had 25 people sign up the first year and we delivered all these different plant starts to their doorstep every month, timed at the perfect time for transplanting. And so we helped people start their gardens that year. And we did that. Uh, we've done that now for five years in a row. And so that kind of got us a little bit of attention at first because we were the only people 
doing that that we knew of. And now there's a lot of other farmers doing that, which is great. Um, but at the time, it was kind of a new thing. And so it kind of caught the attention of the CSA community and some, the agricultural community here. And we, we got an article in the newspaper. And that kind of opened up a lot of doors for us because a lady who was a landowner out in Boring, Oregon, invited us to do basically anything we wanted out there. She said, the sky's the limit. Well, what do you want to do? I've got this land. You guys are the young farmers. I, I'm the landowner. She's not agricultural in any, any sense. She just wanted to give us that opportunity. It's a very amazing gift. And so we said, how about a food forest? Because we've been reading a lot about that. And she said, I don't know what that is, but okay. <laughs> and um, so that's kind of how we got started with it. And it it kind of blossoms from there. Um, by the time we started getting our business up off the ground, the land opportunity had shifted and we it was time to move on. And we found an opportunity in Portland, Oregon, and um, where we had started our farm originally and where all of our customers were pretty much, you know, at least 99% of our customers were there. And um, so it made sense to move back. And we've been back now for one year. And the food forest that we have going here, um, we kept the name because it's a we have a long-term lease with the city of Portland, um, which is an incredible opportunity for a perennial agricultural system. Uh, a lot of young farmers these days, are struggling um, because they might have a land opportunity, but usually land opportunities last one season or two seasons at the most, and then they have to uproot themselves and start their entire farming operation over again somewhere else, which is incredibly taxing. I mean, farms are supposed to be farms generation after generation. The soil is supposed to be improving all that time. And so when a young farmer is already up against all these disadvantages with having to compete with industrial farms and then they don't have access to land on top of it. It's just a recipe for, um, I don't know, just, it's, it's pretty heartbreaking to me to have witnessed it and experienced it firsthand. So I know that we're very lucky. We're in, we're, it's a very unusual, fortunate thing that as young farmers that we are able to secure this land opportunity. So I definitely want to stress that. <laughs> and if there's people out there that have empty yards, um, you could help start a farm just by lending that yard to a pair of young farmers. I mean, that's how we got our start and built our momentum. So it's, it's definitely something to think about to people who are out there listening is that you can actually give that gift to some young farmers and help increase our food security and our food sovereignty. And um, it's all it really takes. It's just a one, one yard sometimes to start something pretty cool. Um, and so now, now we're here in Portland and that's kind of our journey, I suppose. And uh, we have a 10 year lease from the city of Portland with the option to renew twice, which, you know, if we, are still welcome in the community after 10 years, then that means we could potentially be here for 30 years. And, you know, a food forest is designed to outlive its, its, its growers and to be there for generation after generation. And so that was, that was one of the goals of the city. They, when they uh, offered up the property, they wanted it to be a long-term 
agricultural project and that's what food forestry is i guess <laughs> so i don't have to tell you that being a farmer is hard work whether you're a large industrial farmer or just a small backyard farmer if you're growing crops and you're selling them there's going to be a lot of tears hard work sweat and not a lot of money melissa explains how they keep above ground no pun intended and actually make money with their farm definitely possible but when you look at the numbers like they're netting maybe 50,000 a year to make a living off of and that's they might have growth sales that are really high but the, the net is not necessarily and like there's a reason why they've become authors and teachers because they're supplementing their income that way and so that is definitely a part of what I think a young farmer should consider is is how they can diversify their income um, don't just do one thing and that's one of the things that makes the food forest resilient because it, not only biologically resilient, but economically resilient as well, because you do have a lot of income streams if you are able to develop them. Um, but it, it's more complex because um, you're not just developing an, an outlet for one crop, you're developing an, an, you know, an outlet for 100 crops potentially. And so a CSA model is really excellent for handling that biodiversity um, it, because people are signing up for the assortment and they know that they, that they are getting a whole variety of foods. And so that's a really nice way to go about um, matching the biodiversity aspect with an economic model. Um, but it's, it is helpful to develop a business plan of sorts, but um, we, we did go to Mercy Corps Northwest and I got a, um, a matched business grant from them when we started the business and that really did help us a lot in getting some basic assets together. Um, we were able to get our greenhouse with that grant money and we were able to buy some of our first tools and things like that that helped us get things started. So I, I definitely want to plug them. Mercy Corps Northwest, they are really awesome in supporting young business owners in general, or not just young business owners, new business owners, I should say. And, um, but I know a lot of young farmers who have started their farm with that specific grant, the Mercy Corps Northwest IDA business grant. Um, so that is a really great resource to check out. The way that we've made money from this has been through our CSA, and then we have started to branch out into edible landscape design. And so that's something that we've been doing a lot more of lately is just helping other people design and create their own food forests in their yards. Um, and that's something that we're pretty passionate about as well, because we want every landscape to be edible. I mean, we're kind of crazy like that, I suppose. But um, if you look around and you see all these, all these plants growing, I mean, but most of them are ornamental and why not swap those out with things that are going to be producing good food for us and right there in your backyard. And so we'd like to see more people doing that. And there already are so many wonderful examples of that in Portland and Milwaukee of, of um, people growing edible landscapes. But um, so that's one way that we've kind of diversified our income is branching out into doing food forest design. And we're also going to be getting into seeds. So now that we've been we've been farming now for five years, and so we're 
we're doing a little bit of everything at the food forest. We propagate and sell our seedlings and our, and our, um, we, um, propagate trees and sell those, um, to nurseries nearby. And then we do our CSA, we do some restaurant sales and we're doing the edible landscaping design. And then this winter, um, we're going to be offering um, seeds that we've harvested from the food forest um, on our website for people if they want to um, get. We're going to focus on specific um, crops that are good for perennial food forest systems, and that will kind of differentiate us from some of the other seed seed offers. Um, but yeah, that's something else that we're kind of getting into now to for income and. Um, it's uh, and we've done some workshops in the past as well. So, um, our our business is as diverse as the food forest, I would say. <laughs> so now that they've established their food forest, Melissa and Teague have some other plans, including refurbishing an old school bus and going around the country and teaching other communities about how to grow their own food forests. Melissa explains what they've got going on for the future here. We got this new land in Portland, and then we were not sure what we wanted to do about our housing. We thought we could, we're, we're not in any position to buy a house in Portland or Milwaukee. We're just not, not there yet. Um, and then we started questioning whether we even wanted to be there at some point because um, we are interested in natural building as well and interested in kind of the tiny house movement and also just kind of fit into that millennial niche of like, not able to afford housing. <laughs> so, um, especially as a small farmer, you know, it's, it's, it was a challenge that we were up against and we thought, well, how can we afford to live near this land that we secured um, and also still keep our options open um, and, and grow this business, like keep our costs as low as we can so that we can actually put money back into this project. Um, so we, I've been obsessed with living in a school bus for probably a decade, I just read all about it, um, just nerded out about it for a long time, and and I we had thought about doing it when we first got pregnant because um, we have a little one-year-old baby, um, and then we thought, well, we don't know what our kid's going to be like. That might be kind of crazy. Let's just not do that. But then after we had our kid, it just kept nagging on us. We thought, let's just do it. Like this, this is going to be a solution to a lot of our a lot of the things that we wanted to do with our our time, uh, we have family all over the country, farming friends all over the country that we want to be in touch with. So that was definitely an incentive. So there was, it's just kind of one of those, you know, another permaculture principle, I suppose, is like looking for the leverage point, something that you can change that's going to have an impact on everything. Look for that key point where it, you change one little thing and everything else falls in line. And for us, I think that was the bus house because it it solved our housing issue. It it solves our desire to be able to travel and visit our 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 fellow farmers and fe- uh, friends and family all over the country. So it, it fulfilled a personal need, but it's also going to be fulfilling a professional need because we've had opportunities to develop food forests on other um, properties, and it's something that we've been really interested in doing, and just not hasn't been feasible with um, traditional housing. So we thought if we have a bus, we could just bring our house with us to these new properties while we work on these new, you know, food forest projects. And we've also, um, you know, jack of all trades of 
with our business, we've we've been interested in making some documentary style short films about other projects that we are inspired by and other growers that we're inspired by. Like uh, we want to make a little film with Michael Polarski. He's this really amazing agroforestry guru up in Washington. And um, we would just love to, um, you know, document these, these agroforestry systems and um, just kind of take our show on the road. We want to be able to, yeah, design, install, document food forests and just kind of expand our efforts there um, because it's one thing for us to have a food forest where we have one um, on Sherritt Street, but we would like to see it expand outward and just kind of have a ripple effect in the community and um, just get people on board. So um, we just we started a crowdfunding campaign um because we're broke farmers <laughs> and we we needed we needed some help and we've just been really uh so humbled and um and amazed by the support that we've received by people and the the crowdfunding campaign is a, is a GoFundMe campaign and um if you search for Winslow Food Forest GoFundMe you'll see it. You can watch our video and see our updates on the bus. And um right now I think we're only eight hundred dollars away from our goal. So if anybody feels compelled to help us along on our journey, um, you know, that's one way you can support us. Um another way that you can support us and is just um if you've been thinking about planting a food forest in your own yard, you can hire us to do a consultation or a food forest design. And um, so that, that's what we've been up to at the bus house. And it is almost fully converted at this point. This um, Our next steps are putting in, um, we're getting it all set up um, to have electricity and running water, the very exciting components of a real home. <laughs> so, but yeah, every it, it looks like a real house right now. I mean, everything's there. It just has to get hooked up. So we're we're really close to finishing that all up, and um, we're going to be yeah using the bus to just ex- explore and expand um, how we can you know get deeper into this whole food forestry thing. And and you know we're really relatively new to it ourselves. Like we're students. We are learning all the time about about this topic. And so we want to to get out there and learn some more as well from people who are our elders, I guess, in this food forestry world. Getting the tour of, of Winslow Food Forest really inspired me to do something like this in my own house, in the backyard maybe. Lots of shade, but I think that I think I can swing it. When we were there touring it, it was amazing to see the, just the different types of herbs she was pulling out of the ground and just the, the variety of the different types of things you can grow. If you've got a backyard or a small front yard, it's totally possible. You don't need tons of acreage. Melissa here provides us some parting advice on getting started maybe on your own food forest. I think the biggest piece of advice I'd give to them is just to start where you're at. Um, whatever that means, whatever, wherever you're at, start right now. Because a lot of farmers, a lot of young farmers get caught up in the big land idealism and think, I have to have 20 acres to have a successful farm or even thinking that they need one acre or five acres to have a successful farm. And that's not necessarily the case. And you don't always have to do the same thing with your farming that you might do later. Um, for, for us, 
we started right where we're at in the backyard of our rental. We put up a little greenhouse that we bought from, um, well, it's funny, we bought it from a farmer who was going out of business. And she was going out of business because she gave us that advice somewhat too. She said, don't get too big too fast. Because they've decided to start a farm and they took out a loan and they bought cows, goats, chickens, pigs, a horse, miniature horse, and all these different livestock. And they started to grow vegetables and try to do eggs and the dairy all the first year. And it was just too much. And they, they couldn't do it. And um, really, a farm takes time. And, it, and it, you need to grow it slowly to be stable. If you try to get too big too fast, it's going to be really difficult. And so keep your side job <laughs> um, and just pour, pour your money back into that farm. And just start really little. Like we started by growing plant starts and um and then that led to the opportunity of working with an eight acre piece of property and doing that just the two of us we realized that we didn't actually want to work with that much land and so coming back to the to the spot here um has been really wonderful for us it's um 0.67 acres so it's it's about two-thirds of an acre it's not even a whole acre and we're able to um, successfully run a CSA there already in the first season. And the we feel that we'll be able to make a living just from this one plot of land at over, you know, as time goes on. Um, so it's, it's definitely a long-term investment to be a farmer and, um, you know, just keep your eyes on, on the prize, I guess, and don't get discouraged if it, if it takes a while to get things going. But yeah, just, you know, start in your backyard, start in your, if you know, you could do microgreens. They're a really great way to start a farm. Um, doesn't take up much space, super high value crop. You can do it indoors. Um, so just think about the things that you can grow with the resources you already have. Thanks again for listening to Small Scale City. For more information on Winslow Food Forest, visit winslowfoodforest.com. For more information about Small Scale City, visit builtblocks.com. There you'll find show notes, other episodes and original content. See you next time.